Welcome to Heart of the Matter. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. This is a live call-in show, and I'll give you the number in a minute so you can call in, ask your questions, make your accusations, or whatever you want to do. Let's begin with a word of prayer if we can. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you. We praise your name, and we're grateful for this airtime. We pray that your spirit will be with everybody, the viewers, myself, the people who are working here. So hard to get your word out there. Just bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. For, those, uh, for the benefit of those people who um, have not been watching Heart of the Matter and for the benefit of the LDS and Christian attackers that come to the website uh, almost every day and have commentary on certain things about the show or our ministry, I'd like to go through and do kind of a, a recap of who I was, uh, what I am now, and why I do what I do with this show, with the book, with the website, and everything else. I'm doing this because we get so many questions from people who don't understand how this all started and what we are um, trying to accomplish through our show. I was born and raised LDS. My parents converted in Los Angeles prior to uh, my birth. I was born in the covenant. I was active in the LDS church. I always attended every Sunday, but I was rebellious as a teenager. I know looking at me, you can't tell that, but I was a rebellious teen. I did serve a mission in Pennsylvania, Harrisburg, was called for two years to serve there. I returned, um, returned home and was married in the Los Angeles temple for time and all eternity to my present wife. All my brothers, I have two brothers and three sisters, all have been sealed and married in the, in the LDS temple. Uh, my brothers both served missions. All are active in the LDS church today. Um, after attending BYU, got married, moved back to Southern California. I became an elders quorum president. Uh, I taught early morning seminary for three years. I was a young men's president. I became a high priest and was on a stake high council. I was then put in a bishopric, and from that point, I taught missionary prep classes and temple prep classes. The whole time I was LDS, after my mission, however, I had a problem. And the problem was I could never feel right in my heart toward God. I knew what the LDS church expected of me. I knew what the rules were. I knew what the commandments were. But I also knew that my heart was not in harmony with the expectations. I could not live up to everything that the LDS church said I needed to do and be. Now, outwardly, I could conform and I could put forth a good show. And outwardly, I could, could do the things. But inwardly, my heart wasn't there. When it came to home teaching, I hated to do it. When it came to going to the temple, my heart wasn't there. All these things, I, they, I just didn't have it inside me. Long story short, in 1997, after a 17-year-long search with uh, truth uh, and studying philosophy and still remaining active in the LDS church, I came to the end of my rope. And it was a summer afternoon, and my wife asked if I would go pick our daughters up from a gymnastics practice in a neighboring town, Costa Mesa, California. I said I would. I could have driven our car off a cliff as soon as gone and picked them up. I was so over everything in life. And I happened to turn the radio on and listen to talk radio, and on came a pastor or a preacher I didn't know. I later learned his name was Charles Stanley. 
and he gave a message about salvation. And he asked a question that changed my life. He said, if you could make yourself right before God, why haven't you done it? And it was a profound question to me because I had certainly tried. On my mission, I had really tried to obey all the rules. Why I was a young LDS person, I really tried to do the, the LDS things that were going to make me right with God. And none of it worked, so I, st I kept listening to him. And long story short, he led me to offer a sinner's prayer or some kind of prayer at the side of the road. And I did that, and I asked God to please take over my life for Jesus to forgive me of my sins for uh, to have a new heart and uh, I, I opened my eyes and nothing happened and so I just said out loud to God in the car at the side of the road I will wait for you to give me a new heart I trust that you're gonna do it and I'm gonna wait so I drove to pick my daughters up and um, I pulled into the gymnasium I was about 15 minutes early and I closed my eyes and I had three distinct memories come back to me of people who had shared the message of Jesus Christ with me and what that message meant and how they had affected my testimony of who Jesus was all along. And long story short, when the double doors opened and my children came out from gymnastics practice and were dancing across the lawn with their friends, I was changed completely. I was given a new heart. I was given a new life. I knew that I was forgiven. I knew that I was standing before God clean then and would forever would be through the blood of Jesus Christ. And as I drove home that day, I, I kind of laughed almost out loud. I didn't know how I was going to reconcile that with being a Mormon or not, but it didn't really concern me any longer. I knew that I had been changed. I continued uh, to be LDS for four years. As little as three days ago, I met with a guy who was a, a Christian man, and a very devout Christian man. And he informed me that the title of my book and ministry, Born Again Mormon, is not only an impossibility, but it's not biblical, and it's quite possibly of the devil. Um, my response to him was, I was a born-again Mormon. Do you understand that? I was, because I had the metaphysical experience with Jesus at the side of the road, and I continued to be a Latter-day Saint for four years thereafter. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, but I knew that God had given me a new heart and he was giving me time to figure out which way he wanted me to go. Jesus did give me a new heart, and here's the kicker, I was still LDS. I was a born-again Mormon. So listen to this, all you pinched-faced, hand-wringing Christians out there who can't stand something new, who can't stand something that's a little bit outside the box than what you're used to, um, you're straining at a gnat and you're swallowing a camel. We are talking about people knowing Jesus Christ personally and intimately first, and then letting him decide where they go in their life. We do not believe in the you must change your religion right now theory. That's not our way. Our way is to give Jesus a chance. And let me give you eight reasons why. First, the Mormon culture, business, politics, and religion are almost all inseparable. And to demand that people change their religion is often too much for them to bear right at the onset. 
If you tell them you've got to leave the Mormon church when you first meet them, it's a cult, it's wrong, it's all this, it doesn't do anything. And we can see that the counter-cult ministries and that approach, yes, they do do good, and I'm not against them. But it's not the only way, and there needs to be another way to reach people. Second, if you are a Christian, you will agree that salvation is by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ, period. Changing religions is not a prerequisite, nor is it a guarantee of salvation. Religion has nothing to do, really, with your salvation. What salvation has to do with is the faith you have and the grace God has given you to have a new heart. What you do with the religion thereafter is between you and God, and God does lead those who have accepted him. We have to walk by faith in that. Third, Jesus primarily was concerned uh, organizationally with establishing the kingdom of God when he was on the earth. He was not about founding a new religion. All right? Number four, the term Christian can be very misleading. Not all who call themselves Christian are in Christ, and not all in Christ can officially call themselves Christian. You want a mind blower, you naysayers? Think about that one for a minute. I think we're going to be greatly surprised when we see the people who really had faith in Jesus Christ after this life and those who said they did and really didn't. Fifth, and as I've stated many times before, there are a number of gaps between what a religion says is paramount to salvation and truth and what the believers actually believe. Now, for years as a Latter-day Saint, we had these night parties on Saturday nights and Sunday nights and the youth and adults would come over and just hang at our house for hours at a time. And in the quiet moments sitting with Latter-day Saints, I realized that most of them do not buy everything LDS. Most of them don't buy parts of the Joseph Smith story. Most women don't buy the polygamy thing, to tell you the truth. There's some who do, but most of them don't. When you get them quietly and say, what do you think about that? I really don't buy it at all. Many of them don't know if the gold plates were right. Many of them aren't sure about the Book of Mormon. And many of them haven't even read the Book of Mormon. So because a religion stands doctrinally on something, it doesn't necessarily mean that every one of the people who go to that religion buy into the same stuff. Sixth, some LDS beliefs are in harmony with the Word of God. And some of them are not. Seven, coming out of religion is a different process for different people. Some people immediately walk away from the religion they were in. They see what it is and they walk right at that moment. Others take time. They wonder, they search, they, they ponder. They have family there, like in the LDS church. They have friends. They've known no other way. It's a difficult thing that they're facing. So leaving the church is a relative experience. And that has to be taken into account when we're talking about talking with Latter-day Saints. Finally, and this is the most important part, people need to be set free from religion by Jesus so that they continue to abide in him and his liberty and not the licentiousness of this world. If they don't know Jesus when they come to abandon Mormonism, they don't know anything. And so it's important that Jesus is the one who leads them out. Not you, and not rhetoric, and not information. So where did my being a born-again Mormon lead? It led me to being a Christian. All right? 
Over time and very slowly, my eyes were opened. I began to notice things that a regenerated member of the church, uh, unregenerated member of the church, wouldn't necessarily notice. I learned that Latter-day Saints speak a lot about men. They talk a lot about man and they praise man. They, they, they sing a song, praise to the man. And they do a lot of speaking about what men's accomplishments are. There's little heartfelt sentiments for Jesus. And Jesus' name really isn't used. It's usually the Savior or Christ or Jesus Christ, sometimes the Lord. But Jesus all by itself very rarely is. A few teachings are on him, uh, about him and his life. There's lots of talk about modern-day prophets, especially in primary. There's lots of emotionalism, lots of tears, very little exegetical biblical teaching. Teach, in other words, Mormons will say to me, yeah, but every year we'll teach like the Old Testament. What you do is you teach Mormonism through the Old Testament. You don't teach the Old Testament. So my eyes began to open up to these things. Then I visited primary where my, where my wife works. Uh, and I heard a lot of theological songs aimed at conditioning little children's hearts. If you're LDS or were LDS, think about these. Follow the prophet, follow the prophet, follow the prophet, don't go astray. You, know, what is, you sing that as a little kid. What do you, what do you think you're going to think when you're a teenager and an adult and you're thinking about leaving it? It's brutal. I want to see the temple. I'm going there someday. We have three-year-olds singing this. Book of Mormon stories that my teacher tells to me. You know, all these rhythmic songs that the young children learn. All about the Lamanites and ancient history. Of course, there's no evidence of ancient history and no evidence of Lamanites in that way. But of course, they sing it and they begin to believe it. Families can be together forever. Forget about what the Bible says about marriage and families and what Jesus said about marriage in the Bible. Let's just sing families can be together forever and walk around believing that. Saturday is a special day. It's the day we get ready for Sunday. And that, so you lose two days of your week in that sense. Pioneer children sang as they walked. How about I am a child of God? This is a favorite of Latter-day Saints. I am a child of God and he has sent me here, has given me an earthly home with parents kind and dear. First of all, that's anti-biblical. The Bible says that we are not children of God until we have accepted Jesus Christ. Until that time, we're creations of God. And it's not by blood, it's not by the will of man, it is by Jesus Christ that we become a child of God, through faith. And yet we have people singing these songs. And then I visited young men's and young women's classes, and I listened to them talk about behaviors, how you can't dress like this, you can't date like that, you can't take this substance into your body or that. But nothing about the source that gives you the strength to avoid those things. Nothing about Jesus being the power that you need to resign yourself to to have a changed life. All it was is about the rules to keep them in order. And then you go to a sacrament meeting and you hear the same things. Where were the Jesus messages? Where are they today? Where is salvation? Where's the messages about grace? Where do you ever hear grace talked about in an LDS church? Or hope? Or trust? Where's biblical analysis in the LDS church? The Jesus I read about in the Bible was not the Jesus I saw in Mormonism by the fourth year after I had been born again. He was a portrait of authority rather than God incarnate. He was clean-shaven in a white shirt and a Thai savior. That's the kind of Jesus I thought of. I know they have pictures of him looking in his traditional self, 
But, you know, if you talk to a classic Mormon, they'll probably believe he'll come back wearing the white shirt and tie. He was a sin janitor rather than a life guide and our God. There's such a big difference. So then I started to investigate other churches. And praise God, I fortunately attended one near my home where the pastor was a godly man who taught the word of God and who really led the sheep to know and worship God. In time and by comparison, I realized that there is a very big difference between singing hymns and worshiping the Lord. A big difference between uh, studying the Bible throughout your entire life and reading little stories that support your theologies that are no wise biblical. And there's a huge difference between saying a prayer and opening or closing prayer or prayer over the food or your bedtime prayers and really praying to God in a relationship to Him. After four years of placing my life in the hands of God, after four years of being a born-again Mormon, I knew what I needed to do and I requested to be excommunicated from the LDS Church in Park City, Utah. I sat before their tribunal of 15 men and for two hours went back and forth about all these different things. And in the end, they regranted my request and I was excommunicated. And I deserved it, to be honest with you. I was a sinner. So are you. And in fact, most people in the LDS Church probably deserve excommunication because you can't follow the law that is given to you. I knew that by taking this step, I was jeopardizing my family. I was jeopardizing my marriage. I was jeopardizing all the friends and extended family that I had. But there was no way in the face of the change I had had that I could turn from it. And I had to follow God. I'm staying, saying all this to two different audiences and for two different reasons. I'm saying this to the nagging Christian complainers. I'm stating this that... Um, it, it, you can reach out to Mormons without trying to force them to leave the church. I'm also saying these things to the Latter-day Saints so that they can see that I'm not just up here giving a show of something I think I know. Many of the emails I get are from you that saying, I don't know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. I've been there. I've studied it like you, and I'm, I'm talking as it is. So my message is to both of those parties. So why, why heart of the matter? Why do we have this show? Um, I wrote this book called Born Again Mormon, Moving Toward Christian Authenticity. And um, somebody talked about this book three years ago, and somebody talked about the website, and a woman heard this and was sitting in the church, and she uh, emailed me, and we began to dialogue, email back and forth, and a couple years later we met up. Long story short, I was guest on a show here, and then we came to Heart of the Matter, and we just did the show. Um, what has been the results from Heart of the Matter? Uh, last year, we were getting 500 hits a month on our website. In the month of June of this year, we had 192,000 hits on our website. Book sales have quadrupled. When I say sales, I mean we give away three-quarters of them to anyone who requests it, and if you want one, you can get it. And we get dozens and dozens of emails by the hour from people who want to know what's going on. We're going to open up the phone lines. Let me go through a couple things while the operator are taking those. First and foremost, uh, a question. Tony, do not bash on other religions. Be Christ-like and preach Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus bashed 
on those religious leaders who did not teach truth. So this politically correctness of just being kind to everybody on every single thing that goes along only goes so far. When it comes to individuals and their choices, I love them and I love them unconditionally the best that I possibly can. But when it comes to religious institutions, especially those that I know, I'm going to speak out against them because they are leading people away from a relationship with Jesus Christ and not to him, Tony. If you don't like that tone, I'm sorry. All right. Another comment. Let's see. This is the first time I have seen the program. I am wondering why whenever I hear a person who seems to be in favor of the LDS Church talk, he laughs, cuts them off rudely, and then mocks and can't back up the things he is saying. And when someone calls who isn't LDS, he listens, laughs, and then mocks the church, but not the person. He is quick to cut off those who have valid questions, but cannot back them up. I am curious to hear his response to that. My response to it is this. Being LDS, I know the rote answers that Latter-day Saints are going to give me. And I can, I can almost pre-guess the arguments they're going to use. Now, when they try to present an argument as fact or truth, when it is not fact or truth, I'm going to cut them off. And I'm not going to let them do it. So that's why I do the show that way. When someone calls with something I haven't heard, I'll sit here and listen. But if it's something that I've heard and I know it's not doctrinally correct, I'm going to address it and cut them off. And that's why I do it. And I also do it to keep the show going. Another name from a male. He didn't leave his name. I have some things to share with Sean. I never heard of stupid people like him. You can call me back if you want to talk about it. I will tell you, know some things I know. I never heard of stupid people like Sean. Call me back. And he didn't leave me his number. So uh, a couple of those emails, a couple things from people uh, congratulating the show. Uh, this is a great email. And it is from Pastor Travis Mitchell at Sandy Ridge uh, Community Church. And Travis has had two people come to the church. And through his efforts and the efforts of others, and partially from the show, they've come to know the Lord. And we praise God for that and are very grateful for that. Finally, to end on a sour note, it says, from that one guy, man, you are a joke. Your site is just a waste of web space, and your TV show is just a waste of airtime. The LDS Church is the true church. It's not our fault you don't believe it anymore. Everyone has a choice to make when it comes to religion. You need to make the right choice and come back to the true church. Stop speaking against it. We have the right practices, yada, yada, yada. I hate to tell you this, but on any subject you want to talk about when it comes to Mormonism, Bring it forth and we'll do it. All right, we have Bill, first-time caller on line two from Boise, Idaho. Bill, you're on heart. Uh, Bill, you're on heart of the matter. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Uh, the question I got is I've been talking with the missionaries. They've been coming over, the LDS missionaries. Yeah. Me and my uh, wife. And they started talking about baptisms for the dead, and that was kind of a weird, I didn't know, I I was just wondering what your take on that was. It just didn't really stand with me very well. Yeah. Uh, what baptisms are the dead for the listening audience? Uh, Bill, you probably have already heard this, but Latter-day Saints believe that baptism by one holding the proper authority is necessary for salvation. So therefore, what they do is vicarious ordinance work in LDS temples for people who are dead. That's why they do all the genealogy they do. They go and they find a relative's name who hasn't been baptized by one with the proper authority, 
and then someone goes into the temple and they put them in a baptismal font and they dunk them. Here's the problem. They use one reference in Corinthians to, to substantiate the biblical reference. Joseph Smith took that one reference to baptism for the dead, and they, he let his imagination go and came up with this whole theory and practice about it. Um, if you look at that in context, I'm not going to take the time here because I would have to have my computer and things, but in context, that verse completely... Um, has nothing to do with vicarious ordinance work that was valid at that time. So none and, of the other churches do this? This is just an LDS thing? None of the other churches do it. The LDS currently are the only ones who do it. However, there is speculation that some early Christians or people who uh, were trying to find Christ did establish a practice of baptism for the dead to try to think of a way to baptize people who are dead. But I, I guess I won't skirt the issue. The real context of that verse is they were baptizing people who had been killed as Christians, who were martyred. And Paul is saying, why are you baptizing for the dead? Meaning, why are you baptizing more people in their place if you don't believe in the resurrection? The key to that verse is read the following verse after it. It says, and why stand we in jeopardy at every hour? So what he's saying is, what are you baptizing people in the place of those who have been killed when you don't believe in the resurrection, why are you standing in jeopardy at every hour? That's the context of those verses. Joseph Smith's context, completely out there. Uh, I appreciate it, John. I just wanted to see what your take was. And it seems like you're sweating a lot. Is that because you're a big, fat pig? <laughs> hey. You fat pig, Sean. <laughs> Biggie! Hey, Bill. <laughs> Bill. Well, uh, that was another LDS person, full of the Spirit of God, showing his first honesty. He misrepresented everything that he had to say. And uh, then he attacked my character, said I ate too much. Now I'm just going to go and have a Sunday just because of him. All right, we're going to Johnny on line three. Johnny, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, uh, John, I just wanted you to uh, know that your show is really awesome. I'm sorry. Sorry about that call you just got. That's all right. Christianity is awesome. I'm, in fact, I often wonder if I should enter a 12-step program because I'm so addicted to your show. When I found out I might miss it, I raced home to get over here. It's just really long overdue, and uh, there are a lot of us that just really look forward to the show, and are glad you're here. Thanks for your uh, compliment and your prayers, Johnny. I really appreciate it, brother. All right, you take care. All right, thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to line four. Taylor, Salt Lake City, first-time caller. Welcome, Taylor. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, a quick question for you. I noticed how early in your show you referred to yourself as a true Christian. What, what do you define as a Christian? Uh, I define a Christian as somebody who believes that Jesus came down from uh, as God took on a body, suffered for the sins of this world, and that salvation comes through faith and grace. You have faith on him and you're saved by grace. I also believe that Jesus, oh, also turn down your TV if you would. I also believe that Jesus was resurrected and I believe that he uh, sits on the right hand of the Father today. Those are the essentials. I also believe the Bible to be the inerrant word of God. But I think there are Christians who might dispute some of that. I don't agree with them, but I, I think that's essentially what it means to be a Christian. Okay. Well, am 
by myself, I, I, I'm a Mormon. I consider, you know, all Mormons to be Christians, too. I mean, there's, yeah. why, why would you say that we're not? Well, there's a couple things. Uh, is it Taylor? Yeah. Taylor, here are the reasons why. One, they believe that Jesus was a created being. When Jesus was with Philip, Philip said, Jesus, show us the Father. Jesus said, Philip, have you not been with me long enough? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, Jesus was God incarnate. Latter-day Saint theology teaches that Jesus was a created being. Okay, second thing is that Latter-day Saints do not embrace the idea, the biblical idea that is completely reinforced contextually through the Bible, that you're saved by grace. Latter-day Saints believe that you are saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the LDS gospel. That's a complete divergence from what the Bible teaches you're saved by. Does that help? Uh, yeah, kind of. And then, if you don't mind me asking, you yourself used to be a Mormon, right? Yeah. Did you, did you, if you don't mind me asking once again, did you serve a mission? Yeah, I served a mission, Pennsylvania, Harrisburg. Uh, not that it matters, but I was an assistant to the president. Uh, I was in the leadership positions, and I served faithfully. Okay, so then what made you yourself become a born-again Mormon? I, it wasn't me. It was the fact that, one, I couldn't reconcile my sinful heart to God. No matter what I did outwardly, Taylor, I was a sinner in my heart. I knew that when I saw a hot girl that I went to lust. I knew if someone cut me off on the road, I went to anger. I knew that if I had the opportunity to take advantage of somebody, I would fight the urge and sometimes might in a business transaction. I had an evil heart. My outward conformities meant nothing to me. I was in conflict. So when I pulled to the side of the road, I asked Jesus to give me a new heart and a new life, and I trusted him. He did it. So he gave me the regenerative experience, the rebirth experience that allowed me to become the man I know he wanted me to be all along. Okay, so how can you believe some of it and not believe some of it? If, some of if what? Joseph Smith, if Joseph Smith was the true prophet, then that's, I, you know, that's what started our religion. Um, everything's based off the teachings of Joseph yeah. Smith. Yeah. How can you believe some of it? And... Well, Joseph Smith uh, also knew his Bible, Taylor, and... And it, it, I can't say, nobody can say that Mormonism does not support many Christian themes. I mean, Mormonism does very well. So you're going to support the things that are true, and you're going to discount the things that are not. That's what makes a really good counterfeit, is something that is so close to the original. Well, you have a lot of good works, and you have a great organization, you have people who live a righteous life, and it seems like, wow, that's truth. But in reality, when you read the Bible, the Bible's message of salvation is completely different, and, and that's why. Okay, I mean, you've, you've got your own reasons, but, uh, you know, like, I'm sorry you about believe... the call that what's-his-name Bill left you. That's all right, man. I, I know uh, a lot of Latter-day Saints, and I know a lot of them are not like that, and I know you're not one of them, so don't worry about old Bill. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess, you know, I, I can say I'm not a perfect Mormon. I've had my problems, you know, like what you may have said, but, you know, like, the whole process of repentance. I mean, that's what bishops there, your leaders are there to help you through that so you can get over that. I mean, I myself, I'm getting ready to serve a mission. Uh -huh. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll admit, I didn't used to be the greatest little kid. And, you know, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about that. My dad was a bishop. Um, and I've become friends with stake president. Um, and, you know, just reading the Book of Mormon and all that stuff. Yeah. It just, I, I go through the whole repentance process, and I mean, I don't question it at all. I know, but, I know you don't. 
lot of people have their own questions. I mean, and you can do whatever you want. That's no problem that you become a born again Mormon. I mean, that's your choice. I, that's all up to you. That's part of Taylor. Do me a favor. Have you been born again? Can you say that if you died right now, you'd live with God without question? Uh, I say that I would. You would? Have you been born again? No. If, if my heart is in the right place, I believe that, you know, I can live with God again. If your heart's in the right place, well, you know what? It's Jesus that's gonna, that's, that makes you right to live with God again, Taylor. He gave an imperative. That means he gave something that you can't get around. He said, you must... In the Greek, you must be born again. You're going to have to be born again, and you're going to have to be able to state that you have been. It's, okay, well, isn't that what baptism is? No, baptism is not rebirth. No, no, no. Read the passages of Nicodemus and, and keep studying that and see what rebirth is. And then read, just do a, a, a topical guide search on the new creature and a new man and what those things mean. Uh, baptism is something that you do, an outward ordinance that you do to show that you are committed to Christ publicly. It has nothing to do with your heart changing. Baptism is similar to circumcision because of the Old Testament. Because you were circumcised doesn't mean that you were holy. It just means that you went through and you did that ordinance. But what your heart is a different thing. Keep checking that out, buddy. we got a lot of calls waiting. Thanks for calling. All right, man. See you later. We're going to Nancy and Provo, first-time caller on line one. Nancy, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. I have never seen this show before. I turned the channel, and I don't know what made me stay, but I am so proud of you for speaking up. You know, if people don't agree with what you're saying, the fact that you have the courage to talk about what you believe. I was born and raised Mormon. I left the church probably, I'd say, 10 years ago, and everything you're saying is ringing true to me, from the songs that you sing in primary, conditioning from very, very young. Luckily, I was raised by parents who, you know, at a certain age gave us choice, but I know that doesn't happen. No. A lot of Mormon families, it really doesn't. It is, you will live this way, or you will not be part of us. Yeah. And I just don't see how how godlike can you be? Nancy, what are you doing now? Uh, well, you mean as far as church? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I, I'm pretty disenchanted, to be honest. Yeah, it's a normal reaction. It's a normal reaction for Mormons to never look at another church and to sometimes even become atheistic because it's so, they use such methodologies that, that it, it's hard to really look at anything else. There are some really good, you live in o Orem? I live in Provo, yeah. You live in Provo? Just try it. Let me just throw one church out to you. Okay. All right. Joe McCormick and his church is Mountain View Calvary Chapel. Okay. And it's, I think it's an American fork if, if memory serves. Okay. Just try one Sunday. Just one. Okay. And, and talk to God just with your heart that you've got, that you've shared with us on this show, Nancy, and just say, God, I don't know what any of this means, but you lead me, you do it, not me, and just see what happens. Okay. Will you call us back? Uh, definitely. Okay, thanks so much. Tell me the name one more time. It's uh, Joe McCormick, Mountain View Calvary Chapel. Mountain View Calvary Chapel. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right, take care. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm asked to talk about uh, the book one more time. The book is called Born Again Mormon, Moving Toward Christian Authenticity. 
And just to let you know, um, we sell that book online. You go there, you can click on PayPal. It's $9.99 plus $1.70 or something to ship it. If you can't afford that, simply email me and say, hey, Sean, I want your book. Here's my address. Can't afford it, and we'll send it to you for free. This isn't about making money. It's about getting it out there, and hopefully people read it, and we're, and we're getting it out in a lot of hands. Okay, we're going to Sue on line three in Ogden. Sue, a first-time caller, welcome to Heart of the Matter. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? We met. I can't, I can't hear you, Sue. We're going to line two on... Are you there? Yeah. This is Sean. Go ahead. Uh, my name's not Sue. I'm actually Jeremy. I don't know. It says Sue uh, on TV. You probably make a very nice-looking Sue, but go ahead, Jeremy. <laughs> Thanks. Um, well, we're actually just visiting here in Salt Lake, and... We, uh, we actually know quite a bit about the LDS Church, but we were wondering what, um, what do we think about, like, the, I guess, the prophet today? Like, Joseph Smith was a prophet, right, they say? Yeah, they say he's a prophet. Well, what about, like, today's people? Like, they, they have... Um, Gordon B. Hinckley? Yeah, what about him? Yeah, they believe he's a prophet, too. Well, is he not, or is he, or what, I mean... Well, this is what I say. I believe Gordon B. Hinckley is the prophet of the Mormon church. I don't believe he's a prophet the way Moses was a prophet. I accept his title. If, if the Mormon church wants to call their leader, leader a prophet, they can, in my opinion. But I don't think he's a prophet who uh, sees God or receives revelation for the whole world for God. I think that the gift of prophecy, certain people have been given, and I think the office of prophets was done away with on the cross. Now, Brigham Young himself said, I've never, been want I've never wanted to be called a prophet. If you feel like you need to call me a prophet, go ahead, but I don't, I've never liked that. But just look at what I've done for the church if you want to respect me. But, you know, the, the LDS church is very progressive, and uh, they mold things as they go along. My, my wife's parents, they, they absolutely, like, hate the, uh, the Mormon church, you know, and so they've told us a lot about how to stay away from it and... Uh, it's like a business. Um, it's very corporate. Is it, is it a corporate? Or yeah, a very corporate business. Very business-like. Okay. Um, what about the Mormon missionaries? Did you, were you a missionary? I was a missionary. Where'd you, where, where'd you go? Pennsylvania, or? Harrisburg, Mission. Did you baptize people there? Or? Yeah, baptize people. Okay. Well, I, we were just concerned about the prophets. And... Yeah, the prophet thing, uh, if you want to know more, go to the website. And if you have more specific questions, email me, www.bornagainmormon.com, Jeremy. Okay. All right, man. Thanks for calling the show. God bless you, man. God bless you. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Tom on line four in Provo. Tom, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Um, I'm a born-again Christian located in Provo. I just moved here from California. Hi. And I live in the BYU area, and I just have a question for you. Okay. I know, I know an ex-bishop, and he believes that God and Jesus are both God. Yeah. And then I have a friend that is assumed to be missionary, he leaves on his mission soon, and he does not believe that. Why aren't the beliefs clear? Why can't they say things from one generation to the other? This is a fantastic question, and the answer it can be a little bit complex, but let me explain it this way. Latter-day Saints believe in, first of all, they believe in their scripture, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl Great Price, Book of Mormon, and the Bible. They also believe in modern-day revelation. So they believe in what Joseph Smith received as revelations, and Brigham Young, and John Taylor, all the way down to Gordon B. Hinckley. 
They also believe in uh, apostles and what they say as scripture. They listen to general authorities of the church as what they say, not as scripture, but as sound thoughts. They read books that are written by people and they believe their bishops and stake presidents have the authority to receive revelation from God on the local level. You take all of that into, into consideration, you have a thousand different answers for a, thousand, for a single question. And all of them can be substantiated by something that is supposedly true. So it's, it's open very much to interpretation. And that's helped them stay alive. Because where one time they believed this, now they can say, well, we really didn't believe that. We've changed it to this. And it's very uh, slippery, for lack of a better word. So they really don't know uh, what they really honestly believe in what is truly honestly doctrine. Now what they do know according to Joseph Smith's first vision was God has a body of flesh and bone Jesus Christ is his son and the Holy Spirit is the third member of their Godhead. They will agree to that but when it starts getting into are they one God, three gods polytheistic, uh, was Jesus his literal son, was he all that stuff is up in the air. Right, right. Okay, well and you know God bless you awesome things and just so you know god is working in utah valley i i just spoke with a uh, a guy on a, he was on his mission and he got saved on the mission field man. awesome he got baptized up on the hill and it was a beautiful thing man god is good no kidding what a great story it was good man it was good just tap into the byu uh, uh christ ev resource and you'll get into that i'll check it out cool. thanks, thanks for calling man Bye. god bless bye-bye we're going to Terry on line two in Ogden. She's a first-time caller. Terry. Yes, hello, Sean. How are you? I couldn't be better, sir. Thank you very much. Good. Uh, praise God for your show. Uh, I'm a born-again Christian here in the Ogden area. I would like to recommend, first off, uh, Roy Christian Church for any of those that are in the, the military up the uh, Hill Air Force Base way. All right. Roy Christian Church there in uh, the Hill Air Force Base area. Yeah, it's in Roy up there. In Roy, all right. Yeah. We're going to send our church scouts up to double-check you. Uh, I, be I believe you, Terry. I believe you. <laughs> send them up. Send them up. Be glad to have them, sir. All right. Hey, listen, I have a question. Yeah. I was witnessing to a fellow worker. I uh, worked for the Union Pacific Railroad, and I was uh, witnessing to a fellow down there and uh, telling him about heaven and hell. Uh -huh. a, uh, uh, a fellow, another fellow worker, LDS, came up behind him and patted him on the back and just told him, you know, you, you don't need to worry because it doesn't get any worse than it is right here. Yeah. Is, it, does the LDS believe that there is a heaven and hell, or are, are they into the kingdom type deal? Could you answer that for me? I can. Uh, what they believe in are three uh, main levels of heaven, the celestial, the terrestrial, and the telestial. They believe those are all heavens or glories where everybody on this earth is going to get one of them for having come to this earth in the first place, accepting God's plan in a pre-existence, and because they did that, they're going to get a reward. The lowest of those kingdoms, the telestial, is where liars, adulterers, murderers, drug fiends are going to go. The middle level is where people who believe in Jesus and are, and are saved but never embrace the LDS gospel, and the celestial is the place where those who who embraced the LDS gospel and lived it obediently, they'll go to that. As, but that being said, they do also say that anywhere that is not celestial is a form of hell because you're damned in your eternal progression. 
So that's what they believe the definition of hell is. I see. Finally, they do believe in a place called outer darkness. And in this outer darkness, they believe that people will be cast there who once knew the truth and turned from it. And there they will have the weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and their bodies will be disassembled. I have been told many times that that's where I'm headed. So uh, just to let you know where my future state is, according to the Latter-day Saints. Well, I'll be pleased to be there with you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I thank you for that. And uh, also, if I could get a copy of your book, I sure would uh, appreciate that. Hey, Terry, email me at uh, www.bornagainmormon.com, and I'll send it out to you, no problem. Thank you very much. One more question. I know you're in a hurry. Uh, is your wife a Christian? My wife is a Christian. Uh, God bless. Yeah, she became right. a Christian. God, Praise God. Praise God. Thank you very much, Sean. I appreciate talking to you. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for the call. We're going to Dave and Magna on line three. Dave, you're on Heart of the Matter. Good morning, or good afternoon, Sean. How you doing? Good. Hey, I've been watching your show for a while now. Yeah. And um, last week, you were doing the thing on the Bible, uh, the translation of the Bible. Yeah. And, and I kind of disagreed with what you said. Uh, disagreed I, or agreed? Disagreed. Okay. Uh, you said the Bible had been translated truthfully. Uh-huh. And, and I think, I can't buy that because it's been translated by, translated by men who probed their own thoughts into it. It was commissioned by the Catholic Church to begin with. And so I can't buy that it's, it's been translated correctly. Yeah. Well, let me, let me say this. We have 20, over 25,000 manuscript evidences. Yes, we don't have the original manuscripts, but we have so much evidence of what the original manuscripts said that we can go back and we can see where Catholicism made errors or put their own opinions in versus the original writings. Now, let me give you this comparison. If someone came screaming into your house today and said, you're not going to believe this, but the, but the Declaration of Independence, the original one, has been destroyed, you might say, well, that's unfortunate, but we have commentary and copies and excerpts from that document that show what the original said all over the place. And so when we look at those things, we can say with very certain assurity that the Bible has been translated correctly. Now, one more fact. When we had the book of Isaiah, and we had, a, we had manuscripts that were a certain age, and we thought, wow, we're doing well. Then we discovered, I think in 1946, the Dead Sea Scrolls in Qumran. And they found a manuscript that was a thousand years older that showed that the book of Isaiah that we have was virtually perfect except for two or three conjunctions that had no bearing on the meaning. The problem is, is it is, a, it is an act of faith, but it's substantiated faith, David. It is faith that is supported by natural things that the Lord has provided for us. It's not faith in a vacuum. It's not faith for faith's sake. We can go to those places. We can see those places. We can read from the fragments. The Bible is the word of God. If it's not, why would God ever have people writing? Well, I, you know, and I, I believe in the Bible, and, and I believe that when you read the Bible, you get your true meaning out of it, and uh -huh. that you, you um, that, the, that the Lord gives you what you need, need from it, no matter how it was translated. 
Right. But uh, I believe that too. I do. I do believe that it has been translated incorrectly throughout the generations. So you, you've got the King James version. You've got the you've got the Catholic version. You've got five books that were left out and books that should have been left out. You do. You you have all kinds of Gnostic gospels and apocryphal books. But I trust that what came through was what God wanted. And when I read it as a whole, the Spirit definitely speaks to me that it is comprehensively His truth. Now, i got to say this, David, and I don't know what your situation is, and you can answer this question yourself, but if you have you been born again? When I was born again and I started to read the Word, it became an entirely new picture for me. And it opened up in my heart so miraculously that I saw the truth there. And I'm not, I'm not really a, a mystical guy that way. I, I like facts, and I don't like BS. But when the Lord changed my heart from being a sinner to, to accepting me as I was, he also gave me new eyes to understand his word. And it really was a different book when I started to read it. Well, I'm, I was raised Mormon. Uh -huh. I was excommunicated in a time when I needed the church more than anything else. Well, that's unfortunate. And... Uh, so I don't have any religion now. I believe in, in Jesus Christ, and I believe in God, and I believe in the Holy Ghost. As far as being born again, I think I have been. I feel I have been. Okay. But uh, I don't attend any, any church, or I don't go to church on Sundays or, yeah. or anything like that. Well, I, uh, you know, the Lord's going to judge your heart and not your uh, Sunday school attendance. I hope you'll find a church because we are commanded to, to fellowship with like-minded saints. And you might be able to offer some things to people in those churches that they can't get from anybody else. It's not just a matter of what you take from it, but it's what you can give there. There's a lot of churches that need people like you, David. Maybe you ought to consider finding one and just trying it out. I just don't know where to go. I work on Sunday mornings, and, and my wife goes to church on Sunday mornings, and I don't, uh, I don't go to church Sunday night because I just I don't feel comfortable. Going. Will, you, will you email me, and I'll, and I'll give you some recommendations? I can't. I don't have the email or the internet. Okay. Uh, will you call the station next Tuesday uh, morning, and we'll talk to you then? Okay. Okay. That'll be good, David. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Thank you very much. God bless you. Bye-bye. All right. Let me go to a few other emails. Uh, this is uh, Deb. My husband is an active Mormon, continues to struggle. Please pray for him. Can I come to the station? You can come to the station anytime if you'd like when we're filming. And, uh, and watch from there. All right. We have six minutes left. The phones are jammed, but we're waiting for a call to come up. Is there anybody here who would like to say anything? We do have some guests. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding you. All right. We have on line two, Craig. Craig, on line two, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hey, man. Hey, uh, I was talking with a good Mormon friend the other day, and he told me that the Garden of Eden was in Missouri. Is that correct? That the what? Garden of Eden yeah. is in Missouri. Yes, I'm sorry. Our phones are messed up, Craig. Yes, they, uh, they believe that Adam on Diamond, which was... Uh, I think what Joseph Smith coined the Garden of Eden as being was in uh, Independence, Missouri. Yes. And uh, there's a monument at Adam Dante. 
there's what? There, is there a monument called Adam and Hunting? Yeah, Adam on Adam on Diamond, and uh, I think there is a monument there that uh, the Latter Day Saints believe they are going to be called to go back there and congregate in the last days. So Adam and Eve lived in Missouri. Uh, I don't know. It's one of the peculiarities of Mormonism. Uh, Mormonism is truly an American religion, and everything centers on America, not only from the Garden of Eden having been here, but from this becoming the New Jerusalem and a whole bunch of other things. The place that in the last days is going to be the bastion for the world to turn. There's all kinds of, of uh, doctrines tied into the strength of America. As far as Mormonism, Mormonism is concerned, are trying to Americanize, uh, you know, an anthology of uh, Middle Eastern herding tribes, uh, you know, type of teaching. Are they trying to Americanize? Yeah, they. You know, you ought to read. Uh, you ought to read the book, uh, the recent book by uh, Richard uh, Bushman, uh, Joseph Smith, Rough Stone Rolling. It will give you a great insight as to what early Mormonism, Joseph Smith, was trying to accomplish relative to America and relative to uh, Americanizing uh, and, and providing a religion for America. I'm having trouble hearing you, Steve. I got to go to. Uh, I mean, I got to go to Steve on line one. Steve, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Hey, I called in uh, several weeks back, so I'm a second time caller here, and uh, I'm LDS. I've been inactive for years. Okay. Uh, biggest thing I want to say is I want to apologize for that pinhead who called in the, on the first call. I, I probably shouldn't say something like that. That really bothers me when people do that. Oh, uh, that's okay. Yeah, kind of shows their ignorance and their mentality. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's basically what I want to say. And I've been watching your show and watching some of the, the rebroadcasts on the, on the website. And I've oh. discussed some of the things you've talked about, the people at work, uh, especially the Hill Camorra. Why don't they dig up some of the Hill Camorra? Boy, and you wouldn't believe some of the answers I get. Uh, well, what are they saying? I've brought up a lot of stuff. <laughs> I, get, I get a little bit of flack for it. But, hey, uh, I, I'm LDS, but I've got an open mind, and I've had questions, and... Uh, and uh, that's about all I can say, but I really enjoy your show. I think you're great. Uh, Thanks, Steve. For both sides, whether you're LDS, uh, born again, whatever you may be. Thanks so much for the call, Steve. I really appreciate it. And I just really like, again, like to, to, to apologize for that guy who called in. I, I, maybe we need to have a two or five second delay so you can cut some of them guys out. We're, we're trying. We'll work on it. Okay, take Th care, Sean. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. We're going to David from Salt Lake City on line three. David, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, uh, I just want to say I really like your show. I really like what you're doing. Uh, God bless your ministry. Thanks, but, David. Uh, uh, I know this show is mostly about Mormonism, but I, I wanted to ask you if you've ever heard of the teachings of um, Harold the, Camping. The what? Radio. Harold Camping. Harold Camping? Yeah, and Family Radio. I haven't heard of them. I don't listen to much radio. Okay, uh, well, he's uh, teaching that the Holy Ghost has left the churches, oh. all congregations, and, uh, and it's time for all believers to come out. Come out and go where? Uh, I, I don't even know. I don't know. But I was, I was wondering if you heard of him, and I was just going to ask you what your take on that was. Well, I haven't heard of him, but I would say it's a big proclamation to say the Holy Ghost has left the church and for believers to come out. You know, every church is a cell, every believer is its own temple, and together, unitedly, we, we make the body of Christ. 
And I know there's churches that have problems. There's churches I, I wouldn't step foot in, but there's other really good ones. We're going to see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. God bless. I'm on a ride going nowhere. I am an existential cowboy on the wind. And I won't be coming out, I'm going in. This man's awake. A storm's arising, the dawn's awaiting till a hundred monkeys know. And I can feel the light filled monkeys start.